0: One person went into crowd sleep and they woke up five years later, the stock market would still be trading every day, right? Those bots would wake up every day and trade the market.
1: It just depends on how long those UPS backups last. And then, yeah. and <laughs> then aliens land and they're like, oh, you know. It's
2: functioning system.
1: Yeah, this is a cryptocurrency-based life form.
0: <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Logs.io. Monitor troubleshoot and secure your environment using the open source you love at the scale you need with logs.io's ELK and Grafana-based observability platform. Check it out at logs.io slash and enter their giveaway to win a free logs.io t-shirt. Full details available from logs.io hey everybody welcome back to the stack overflow podcast hello hey ben you guys want some good news you ready ready for good news i'm gonna gonna drop this in our group slack chat for the over for the podcast you ready it's loading here it comes now i gotta switch windows here comes the boom whoa people are listening to our podcast yeah guys we're gonna hit hit 50,000 downloads in seven days this turns out that a
1: bunch of nerds in a room Talking about questions and answers is just the way to go.
2: <laughs> it's actually just my grandmother. She is quarantined right now and it's listening reloading. a lot of times.
0: Yeah. She has one of those uh phone phone farms where she has like a bank of a thousand phones and she just listens on every one of them. Like you find a phone farm. All
1: three yeah. of us have created a lot of content. I find that people are very loving and they go, I listened to it. I have no idea what you were talking about. Like yeah. it's just yeah. yeah. They do say That's that. That's what
0: my dad says. Yeah. yeah.
2: Do we talk about co- complex things? I feel like we don't. I feel like we just, you know. It's
0: a, I mean, it's a when good you guys remark. are talking about a GUID or when you're talking about in Let's Encrypt, my dad's eyes just glaze over. You know,
1: It's a good read. reminder that there is a gap between our baseline and the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, that right? makes sense.
1: You know, I, I feel this way whenever I talk to like computer super geniuses who are working on like low level file system stuff. And I'll be like, yeah.
2: Or game developers.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's wild in there, man. The the processor's doing like 80 things all at once. And they're like, yeah, that's a computer, you dork. (laughs) And I'm like, I know
2: I can turn that button green.
1: There's this awkward moment where you're still entranced by the magic in some way. And they're like, yeah, that magic died for me when I was like 19 in college. (sighs) Anyway, good, great. It's nice. It's nice to be popular Uh... for once in my life. You know what I do like about Stack is that because you're kind of old school and nerdy, there's no delicate transition. Like it was just like, yeah, all right, you want dark mode? Here's dark mode. It wasn't like dark mode's coming, <laughs> little four second fade. Yeah, a nice yeah. like
2: onboarding. Here's what dark mode means. No, yeah. no, no, no. No, you no. know, you
0: know.
2: Dark didn't mode. before.
0: Yeah. If you'd like to receive email from us about future product announcements.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's just like you want it, click, okay. Now, wait a yeah. minute. What if I want to go back to light mode?
0: You can't.
2: No, it's, the
0: end. <laughs> it's permanent.
2: Where do I click? It's, it's like getting a tattoo. Yeah.
0: Is it a little stack mm-hmm. tattoo? Where do I go? I want to go, go back tele- to your, mode. You, go back to user preferences logged in and you should see it on the upper right.
2: Our usability is amazing.
0: Uh, yeah. No, it is amazing. I think that's this is don't hide this. This is reality,
1: right? Like you do the thing and immediately yeah. somebody's like somebody on your own freaking podcast is like, yeah, right. but wait, how do I turn it off? Right.
2: oh I found it I found it it's under preferences site settings
1: preferences I edit profile and settings
2: yeah and then the site settings and preferences
0: yeah stackoverflow.com backslash users backslash preferences or even better there was an even better version of that
2: something that you should know is that stack overflow profiles have over a hundred settings
0: Wow oh, you know what I'm going with system setting
1: I like that yeah when go.
0: you build your when you build your character in this RPG we call stack Overflow there are a lot <laughs> of different choices yeah. Well, funny story, guys, you know, classic Stack Overflow, right? Like, let's let's let it all hang out. We posted this and I was in the shipping party, my first ever shipping party, which was fun.
2: We wear hats. You have to wear hats.
1: Actually, no, talk that through. How do you guys ship? What's that like?
2: We all get a Google hangout and you have to bring the most ridiculous hat you own. This is actually (laughs) one of my favorite things about joining is I went on. And I, bought, as soon as I learned about this, I bought a whole mess of fascinators. I have, like, eight fascinators in my office. If you don't know yeah. what a fascinator is, it's, like, one of those great Kentucky Derby hats that you, like, wear. And they have, like, netting that goes in front of your face. It's pretty amazing. And so everyone gets their hat on. And the developer that's shipping or, like, the developer that wrote the code the product manager that was in charge of the process and then any other developers that were involved. And then it's just a site setting, most of it. Usually it's just like a flag that needs to be flipped on our production environment. And we do it, a little bit of testing, and then it's off to the races.
1: Oh, that's nice. All right, so crazy hats, ridiculous hats. Yeah, it's the most
2: important part, really.
0: And
1: then you actually push. You're, you're there. Here we go.
0: Yeah. And then we wait for the first meta comment, which is... Pretty good, but not dark enough.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, did it happen? Did they actually
0: do that? <laughs> they did, mm. and luckily we were able to say to them, "Challenge accepted," because tomorrow's April Fool's joke is ultra dark mode. Oh, that's but a it's really not good. an April
2: Fool's joke. It's a
0: it's an April Fool's April optional Easter egg.
2: Care about it's an Easter you egg. and your well-being.
1: Yes. April first Easter egg is
0: appropriate. Yes, that's we're not hard. pulling off a joke on it. We're not pranking anybody in this. No, you're time telling them crisis. what it is. That was going to be our joke before jokes were no longer fit the mood. It's ultra this, dark
2: mode. It's absolutely unreadable.
0: This is a, t- <laughs> this is a wild project, right? Cause it took a, it took a
1: really long time to get this through production on all the sites and on and on. Mm. And like the promise of the web is that you modify five settings in a file.
2: That is the promise of the web. that
1: is the promise. And the reality is that an entire org had to make this relatively mission critical and somebody had to work on it for a year.
2: Yeah, no, that's absolutely true.
1: And yeah. this is a technology forward tech firm focused on yeah.
0: efficiency in producing. Like, Did you know that dark mode is actually a dark pattern, Paul? And that this came out of one of our podcasts? Did we talk about this? No. Why is dark mode this a came, dark pattern? This came from Jess Lee. You can only use dark mode if you're a logged in user. Being a logged-in user is a nice thing. So why don't you create an account and log in? Try out this dark mode.
1: Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, it's tricky, though, because then you're... I mean, you can you can save things with cookies, and it's just, yes, okay. It makes
0: it harder. Lots of people have been rolling their own dark mode for Stack Overflow for a while, but...
1: It's just, life is is wild, you know? People make choices. We'll get through this yeah. one. Logged-in users, not logged in, we're all going to find a way together to get through this right. crazy thing.
0: So let me ask you a question. As programmers and people who work with systems and have done a little bit of front end, a little bit of back end, who've done databases, and as people who maybe dabble in some, you know, tougher languages, do you feel like you have that gives you a perspective on the statistical realities of what's going on with the coronavirus pandemic? Because a lot of what I'm trying to understand is flattening the curve and exponential growth and, you know, things like that. And I I have a bare bones idea and I'm trying to learn, but Do you think being a programmer, an engineer in some ways gives you some preparation for understanding things like this?
2: Yes, but never let it never get near a keyboard before you touch that keyboard to share your opinions.
0: (laughs) Stop (laughs) it. To write your medium post. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I think
2: like you can understand what large numbers of things I don't know. That's that's what I would say for myself. I think understanding large numbers and and understanding what it means to flatten the curve, I think. Hopefully, because of dealing with large numbers of people, yes, but not, I think, not enough to educate others.
1: Right. You know what I will say? So, first of all, what Sarah said, like, be a little, be very mindful of the advice you're giving as a genius right now, right? But I think more specifically, computers, especially when you're screwing up and and you've written some method incorrectly, you get a tremendous sense of, incremental and exponential growth leading to a complete breakdown of the system, right? You're like, oh, well, I'll just put this in memory over here and then you didn't really realize it was going to run four billion times and that the four billion each time would double and so within <laughs> within four seconds, your right. cool little loop in the language you're learning about that was supposed to be so easy, you didn't memoize and you didn't, you know, your, your Fibonacci sequence went out of control now everything's crawled to a halt. So right. I think you get an instinct for numbers turning into other numbers very, very quickly. And so that part felt really familiar. You're like, oh, yeah, exponential doubling. Of course that could happen. Yeah, Uh it'll be like a 36-hour period between something really bad and something unbelievably bad. That's real. That felt very real to me. First of all, curve flattening, all that stuff, all completely new. I don't know a damn thing about epidemiology except what I've seen in movies and read in, like, you know, random books. Right. So, and and, and I, I feel that you can learn a programming language in two weeks, and you can sort of use all the knowledge that you have beforehand, and you can get pretty good, actually. You can get pretty capable. An entire discipline is different. There's just mm-hmm. shading and culture and ways that people communicate. Right. And the correspondence between viral Internet growth and viral virus growth, you can't, rec- you right. can't retcon your metaphors. You can't be like, yeah. Oh, well we know about, <laughs> we know about how viral, epi- you know, viral growth of our online services. I've been growth hacking for years. So, yeah. so anyway, right. right.
2: And you can't roll it back if you're wrong Is a thing too? like a lot of people, like I've gotten a lot of emails of like, I have a basic understanding of how RNA works and I'm working on a vaccine. Here are the things you need to work on it too. And right. I'm kind of like, Uh, no, I think I need a little bit more of an understanding of how vaccines work and that kind of thing. Like, I think there's a lot of people who know a little about a lot that are trying to, and it's like where the place it's coming from is really great, but it's not, it's ends up getting in the way of the professionals is the problem.
0: Totally. Yeah, I mean, I think as, uh, one of Khaled's favorite expressions is a, a mile wide and an inch deep. And so we yeah, right. like, yeah, yeah. have a lot of sort of limited knowledge of a lot of things. And this looks similar to things you've done. But if you're not actually a statistical epidemiologist, like maybe don't write the Medium post with the answer.
1: Look, I mean, we're all solutionists. We like to find answers to things. It sucks that the answer is stay home. It's a bad yeah. answer. It's boring. Yeah. I think like everybody, I'm watching the Cuomo press conferences pretty regularly.
2: My partner has fallen in love with Cuomo.
1: No, exactly. <laughs> and it, it's like, I, Cuomo is the right person at this moment. So I'm, Let's I'm, just say
0: quickly, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York. Yes, yes. thank the you. The most affected state with the most affected city. And, yes.
1: and he's doing a good job of communicating and he's communicating some very serious stuff and not pretending that it's that there's good news when there is no good news. But he has this little part where he's like, some personal thoughts. And you can start to see he's running out of personal thoughts like you know he'll be like and then we yeah he's like oh then we made the spaghetti and you're like five minutes in you're like this is kind of going like i i could because he's out of personal thoughts you can only inspire people so much and they're like yeah Yeah. i'm good on inspiration i kind of just want to get i want to go outside now so i think we're all everybody is actually out of material (laughs) yeah And, and so you go back and you're like What can I do? And then you bring up R and you start writing some chart. There's a sociologist at Duke University named Karen Healy who I really like. I just follow him on Twitter. I think he's very very smart. And like he started messing around with the data. And then he was very very clear. Like this is me messing around. Like he's an R stats visualization person. He wrote a book about visualization. And he just sort of like this is my personal exploration. But this is I'm not I'm not doing this science. Be very right. mindful, and I think it that's important.
0: Here's a tweet from Julia Silgi, our one of our former data scientists. I just realized I had the Wikipedia article for statistics open, and I can't remember why. And then there's a GIF of a Pokemon saying, "I have no idea what I'm doing." So even our best <laughs> data scientists are at a bit of a loss right now. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you said is really important, which is like we're all looking for solutions. We're all looking for the magic bullet. We're all trying to add new information, right? Add something new to the conversation. And the funny or the ironic thing about this is like the best solution now is to stay apart and do nothing, right? Like the solution is, is, I don't know, what am I? Lack of activity. No, that's right.
1: Like you're basically saying, I have to stay home so that things get better for doctors and nurses so they can care for people who are truly at risk, right? And you're, it's like, That's not a Silicon Valley attitude. Yeah, there's this weird latent (laughs) fuss going on online where, like, the Silicon Valley people are like, "We called this, and you journalism didn't call it, and you all literally—they're like calling for journalism to apologize." First of all, we do have to give them credit. Ben, can
2: you apologize on behalf of journalism? Oh
0: God, what did they call? Uh, No, let me hear the full thing, and then I'll offer my rebuttal. (laughs)
1: So, look, like VCs started posting like notices at their VC firms, like we're not shaking hands right now. Way in advance of others. I love that.
2: Hours. I'm also. I haven't
0: been shaking hands for years.
1: Okay. No, but th- this was about the pandemic, Sarah. Not <laughs> about.
0: Not about like you. But if you watch Silicon Valley, you know, most good VCs don't shake hands anyway, because they're <laughs> anti-social weirdos. Look, so I, whatever.
1: It's, I don't know. I mean, whatever. California did a better job at this. than you know, they had they, they started two days earlier and they have fewer cases and so on. There's just like this weird I'm just like, this is not the moment. This is not the moment yeah. for journalism and Silicon Valley to have a battle.
2: Yeah. Also, VCs, please don't dunk on journalists because you're going to do something dumb. and <laughs> We're I all going to know about it. Also, I
0: could name plenty of prominent technologists who in like the week or two before we finally went into shutdown, were saying like, the panic is worse than the problem. So I could name you some very prominent technologists who got it ass backwards.
1: Well, there's a few things. Here's what I see. Culturally, journalism in general, and and just in general, we we are not good at explaining things. Like I am a person who got a lot of a a good reputation for being able to explain a little bit of programming. And that was after 20 years. (laughs) <laughs> right. And so there are programs, there's like an MIT program where journalists go up and do a fellowship and learn, basically learn, get better at explaining things. Like obviously in our world of pandemics, global warming, high technology and chaos, we need more explainers in the world. Right. right. And like, so I think yes. like that is a fundamental gap. Like this is not, this doesn't function as news for a lot of people where it's like, hey, right. people are dying. So on. And it's like, you need to explain like what a virus is.
0: I mean, that was the thesis statement. Yeah. yeah. Of Vox. Of Vox. Vox.com, which was founded when I was part of Vox Media, when I was at The Verge. And it worked really well. They became one of the most popular news outlets you know, in the world. And they have one of the biggest YouTube channels. And their thing was always just like, we're not going to take an angle. We're going to just explain the news. And our whole focus will be on explaining it so anybody can understand it. It actually didn't quite end up that way. They ended up with quite, you know, quite a bit of a political bent. I think. And, and the problem is,
1: the problem is they advise, right? So they got in trouble because they advise people all sorts of things about what, how, what do you do about this? This is what's tricky. What people want is advice. Like wh- how and, do I, What the, do I do right, now?
0: What's the right answer? And there is no right answer.
1: No, and this is a great cultural test, and we're not succeeding. Like, what is no. the right? We see this in, in. I mean, bringing it back to what we're doing. Like, Sarah, how many times does somebody say, "What's the right programming language to learn?" Or what's? Oh, the, once a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now, your cat. That's in your. That's right. a beautiful cat. Will be on rails. Somebody
0: on Twitter says, I'm just starting out. What's the best programming language? And it's like, there is no right answer. No.
1: And so that demand for the right answer generates more and more right answers. And we are in trouble for that right now. Right. Like, it's just this is a tough one. Like, I still I know what a virus is. But if you said, Paul, what's a virus? And I I consider myself a relatively bright individual. I'd screw it up so bad. I mean, like it's like a <laughs> yeah. little guy. It's like a spider, but he's really little, and he's got RNA in him, and and like he's.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. The crazy, the crazy thing about viruses, and ninety percent of what I say now will be wrong. But here's what I think viruses are, and the crazy thing about them is that they're not alive, right? They have no metabolism, and they can't reproduce. Mm-hmm. They're like they're like a piece of cellular machinery that has gone awry that somehow hijacks another system and infinitely tries to copy itself, but they're not even alive.
1: As the father of twins who's currently home for a pandemic, feeling not alive and not being able to reproduce feels very normal. I I have empathy for the
0: virus.
2: And as we all know from the movie I Am Legend, we will be using viruses to come up with the vaccination, which will turn us all into zombies.
0: Well, that is true. That is right. I mean, a a vaccine is often a weakened or sort of like deadened virus that you inject into yourself to teach your immune system how to deal with the live virus. Yeah, well, this time it doesn't work. I mean, when you look at how
1: we usually spend our days, and as engineers, right, we might have a little relationship to the stock market or to blockchain. Right. We do our work. We do our community stuff and so on. Meanwhile, this enormous, enormous, like, millions of paper body of knowledge, millions of paper, like, like on Google Scholar, it's just, like, sitting there, right? And people yeah. have made it their whole lives to understand it. And we're we're just, like we're Americans. We're like, oh, well, right. you know what? We better, I better figure out this virus thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think our only jobs usually is to solve problems, right? We just day in, day out, we're solving problems, we're solving problems. And now we all have to stay home and don't solve the, just don't even try it. Don't solve the problem. Don't try
1: it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're only, give is, money, like let's get
0: masks yeah, to give nurses. Your money.
2: Give them right. extra money that you make from doing what you do and just don't touch the Just don't do it.
0: And the other, yeah, I mean, the other hard thing is right now, sometimes or oftentimes money is not the issue, right? Like we there's no masks available to buy. There's no ventilators available to buy. Even if you had extra money, I mean, there are things you can do with it, but like some of the critical issues cannot be solved just by saying, here's the money you need. So that's, you know, a hard thing to grapple with, especially as an engineer or somebody who feels like you are always able to affect change on a problem. One of the people who's able to do things and, you know, this is great is my wife. She's been sewing masks and sending them to people. So, like, seamstresses of the world, rise up.
1: No, that's right. We've been
0: making masks making
1: masks for all of our friends. My wife has. I've been putting yeah. Ubuntu Linux onto laptops for kids so right. they can get access to their digital
0: that's learning. Right.
2: The CIA is leaving on her.
0: Yeah. First and, you know, another thing that we saw, you know, to get back a little bit to technology and startups is that workers went on strike for Amazon and Instacart. And what they said was, usually nobody thinks about us and it's hard for us to get rights because, you know, it's pretty easy to find somebody to do this job. But right now we are the essential workers. Mm. And so we are demanding more you know protections.
1: You know what I keep seeing is like people expect the virus to hew to their ideology. Like you're seeing where the people are like, "Look, we gotta we gotta get back to work." Like people are gonna die, and other people are like, "I don't want to die. I don't want Nima <laughs> to die. That's not cool." And you can see, I remember this in the, in the nineties and two thousands, there was just this sense of solutionism. Like we're coming to the end of history and the market will solve every problem. And then the market would just explode. And then September 11th and so on. You you know, there was a book I remember it was called like Dow hundred thousand. That was like a big deal. Dow Dow
0: 30,000. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is like, we're going to just shoot through the roof in like the next five years. The market is just going to explode everything. Stopping it. And then that doesn't work. You know com- what's
0: crazy, Paul? That book came out and it was, it was, I think it was an iconic cover of Forbes magazine where they yeah. were like, we're going to Dow 30,000. And it was like, wow, like, yeah, this bull market will never end, the internet. And then of course it did. And then we were right there, Paul. We were at like 29,000 oh, new highs. And then again, Mother Nature comes along and is like, nah, uh-uh. Markets are
1: just human beings and robots interacting, right? Like there's this weird moment where I keep thinking like, hey, when this is all over, all the bots are going to have a great time trading. Like, there's no...
2: (laughs) Oh, look at them, like, all hyped. Oh, yeah. Imagine, like, all these little bots, like, oh, it's time again.
1: Oh, they're... Well, I think they're just going, like, oh, my God, when there's no humans, this is going to be amazing. Like... Yeah. We're finally going to get a pure market once we <laughs> get all the humans have a good out of the
2: market, s- Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: once you get humans out of the system, you're going to be able to trade like like when there's no SEC to regulate and no human mm. because there's no humans in the SEC. Just, bam. Yeah. we're going to have the most pure, efficient digital market imaginable. Wow. Imagine That's block- a deep thought. Imagine blockchain with no people. It probably would keep going for about five years based and it would on the like- essential. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: People <laughs> would use it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> do
2: you know, if you're in the mood for some feel-good reading about robots, <laughs> ah. <laughs> ran through a book called Machines Like Me by Ian McEwen. McEwen, I believe it's right. Mm. And it's feel-good reading about robots. I really liked it.
1: Wait, wait, is it, is it Machines
0: Like Me or Machines yeah, you know, Like I Me? Wish
2: it, machines do like me, but it's Machines Like I'm Me. I'm a good
0: person, and gosh darn it, Machines Like Me machines like me.
2: Yeah. One thing I would love to talk about uh, that I think has really kind of gotten pushed under the carpet a little bit, but I think is really important is O'Reilly conferences going away.
0: Oof. Yeah. Let's talk about that and and talk a little bit about a number of startups that have been acquired this week because, you know, these are crazy times. Go for it, Sarah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I definitely have stories from OzConf and Fluent and like all the people that I've met and the experiences I've had at those conferences, I think they're really huge. I think it's... I mean,
1: we should we yeah. should tell people, right? Like, O'Reilly conferences were mm. the yeah. early internet, as people can... Like, Web 2.0 and all this stuff comes out of O'Reilly yep. conferences. The, everything is so much bigger than it used to be, so it's easy to forget, but, like... Many of the things that we take for granted as being part of internet culture and tech culture started with O'Reilly books and then with the conferences they put on. It's the first time lots of people met. It's the first sort of thought leaders emerging out of the internet and they've been going
0: on for probably yeah, 20 exactly,
2: years. exactly,
1: And they just can't, and they just, they ended the in-person conference business. They didn't just cancel them for the yeah, pandemic. Yeah,
0: I mean, they, they did that as a drastic measure, I think maybe in part so that they could Basically, let everybody go. I, my guess would be they might try to bring it back. But for the younglings who don't know, who is O'Reilly? What did he start doing that got the interest of programmers? And then how did that transition into this events business, which was kind of foundational in Web 2.0 culture?
1: Tim O'Reilly, um, and there are yeah. many other people involved, but O'Reilly's yeah. name is on is on the door. Tim O'Reilly started as a technology writer, writing about like relatively obscure unix Mm. text formatting things and then turned that started became a publisher of really sort of deep tech books about especially unix and early internet stuff like the book on domain names and the book on pearl and the book on like all the sort Mm. of infrastructure that was around and they were high quality books they encouraged writing they were they laid flat they were good so the earliest of the internet, the 90s internet, was really defined by these books, with the, and they all had animals on the
0: cover. I love the covers, uh, I love the O'Reilly covers. Yeah. yeah,
1: old lithographs. They were a a real, it was just sort of a like a, a totem for human beings who were working on this stuff. You had the O'Reilly books on your shelves, every startup had the O'Reilly books on their shelves. There were lots of other publishers, but they were the ones who were, like, really nerd-centric. And that also emerged into a conference business, which grew and grew and grew in significance until, you know, Web 2.0 at the Javits would have tens of thousands of people, like South by Southwest scale kind of stuff. And Stata was one that is all about big data or Stata. And so there are these various themed conferences that really, and, and they've grown from, handfuls of people to tens of thousands of people. And as we know from conferences, they are the industry when we're all scattered the way we are, like they're how people come together and learn and meet each other and get new jobs. And they take over the Sheraton for a week, and and it's a big deal. So Tim O'Reilly has been kind of the advisor to many a a startup, and this has set the template for internet Mm -hmm. culture very, very early days.
0: All right. We're going to wrap it up soon. We're going to try to keep these episodes tight. So I'm going to read you guys some lifeboats and we can say our goodbyes. All right.
2: Sounds
0: great. Awesome. Okay. Here we go. On navigation item selected, not working in navigation view, awarded yesterday to Vahid. And that is from Android Fragments. Okay. So we hope you all are well. We know this week's going to be a rough one for a lot of people in a lot of places. We're all going to get it through it together as best we can, and you can always hit us up podcast at Stack Overflow. You can find me online at Ben Popper on Twitter. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow.
2: Uh, you can find me online at Sarah J. Chips on Twitter, and the director of community here at Stack Overflow.
1: And you can find me online at F Train on Twitter. I'm Paul Ford, the co-founder of Postlight, a digital product studio. Wonderful.